Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hartcastle. We are in the middle of a series called Baggage. And, and many of us have different types of baggage that we can look at and think of. As, as we see, we can see a lot of Pastor Kevin and Michelle's baggage up here. Uh, they literally have a ton of baggage. They took a few pieces with them. But baggage is not only what we have behind us. It's what we carry throughout our life. So be, before we fully get started, I just want to give you kind of a brief overview, um, which is going to kind of set up the premise of this message. And um, it's, it's taken out of Genesis, and it's a story about a man by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph was a man who was loved by his father and despised by his brothers. And Joseph came to them one day and says, you know what? I just had this dream that you're all going to bow down before me. Now, how much, how much more could they probably hate him? If my brother came to me and says, guess what? You're going to bow down before me. I'd be like, you know, okay, you know, bow down and show me how it's done. And I'd probably kick him in the head. But, you know, they, this did not help the situation whatsoever. So they resolved, we need to get rid of Joseph. So they resolved that they would throw him into a pit. So they lured him out and figured they'd throw him into a pit, a pit, leave him for dead. But they saw a slave trade coming through. So they're like, why don't we just make a little money? We'll sell him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery. And he ends up finding the favor of God there, even in that position. And even though Joseph's dad thinks that Joseph's dead and the brothers had just left him into slavery, Joseph began to thrive in this situation. He was in slavery. He was imprisoned. He ended up going into Potiphar's house, which was the ruler's house, and ended up becoming the ruler over the entire nation. Well, a time came where there was a great famine, and the people of the nation would come to Joseph to ask for help. And it was Joseph's job to kind of ration out the help. Like, okay, you need some food, you need whatever it might be. And it was Joseph's job. Well, one day, his brothers come up. And he notices them, and he's like, ah. So he kind of kicks everybody else out and has a little moment. Have any of you guys had a moment where you're like, you, you know? He had his little moment. And he comes to, to his brothers and he says, do you not recognize me? Now, I imagine Joseph is dressed up in a different type of attire, right? He's probably got long hair and eyeliner and earrings, you know, like a, like a king would dress, a lot like I used to look like in high school, um, wearing gold and, you know, a lot of these things. He's dressed like a ruler. He says, I'm your brother, the one you sold into slavery. He says, go home, get dad, bring him back. Joseph ends up forgiving them and helping them. But with this, I imagine the brothers still were a little unsettled with that. Because one day, dad's going to pass away. And Joseph is going to be there for us. So, why don't we go ahead and stand up. Let's go ahead and read our portion of scripture this morning. It's uh, picking up from this point. It's Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. And it starts off, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, 
What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. This is a lie, by the way. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that as we begin to talk about baggage and talking specifically about family baggage, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would just open us up, Lord, to receive what it is that you have for us. And, Lord, we just pray that we would find healing, Father, uh, through some of the baggage that we carry. We love you, God, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, unpacking family baggage. How many in here have family baggage? Yeah. How many of you sitting next to them? If you're married, you probably have family baggage. Oh, she just keeps waving. You can put your hand down. Yeah, she's standing up. She's like right over here. I've heard it, I've heard it said that, that when people are doing the, the vows, you know, when they get married, they should also read the Miranda rights. You know, you have a right to remain silent. Everything you do will be held against you, um, you know, which can be the case. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I was younger, my brother and I, about 11 years old, traveled to Michigan to see all of our family. We did this quite often. So we hop on a plane, and we go out there, and it's around 4th of July time, and we have cousins who are playing with fireworks. And we're like, where did you get these fireworks? Like, they're, they're little, um, like, just things that pop. I mean, they're nothing big, just firecrackers and things like that. And they're like, oh, well, there's this store right down there, this brick building, and it says fireworks on it. I'm like, isn't it closed? Like, 4th of July is over. Like, no, we sell fireworks here all year long. I didn't know that this existed. This exists here in this wonderful state, too. Um, wait, in Missouri. Missouri, yeah. No, 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 we don't do that here. Missouri, all you guys, you guys sell fireworks over there. So, anyways, um, we didn't have stands like that in California. We have what are called fires. So they don't let you have stands like that. They sell, like, you know, little things, like sparklers and things like that. So we went and to the store and we bought fireworks. We bought four bricks of these firecrackers, some that flew in the air and some that just popped. And then we bought some, um, uh, like, bottle rockets and sky rockets and things like that. Well, we come home from our trip and our mom opens up our bag and she's like, what are these? So, well, they're fireworks. She says, you can't travel on a plane with explosives. I'm like, apparently you can. I mean... <laughs> Exhibit A, you know, we've got <laughs> fireworks over here. Um, so uh, she's like, you can't travel with that. That's a, that's a federal offense. So I was freaked out because I thought probably there's going to be FBI agents coming to my door, you know, soon because they know my ticketing and stuff like that. But my mom settled me down and says, no, that's not true. Go back about eight months and my father passed away last January and I, uh, I quickly packed a bag. I went from... St. Louis to Las Vegas, was Las Vegas for two days, went from Las Vegas to Seattle, was in Seattle for two days, went from Seattle to California, and was there for three days, and then came back to St. Louis. It was just, we're all over the place. 
When I got home, I started to look through my bag, and I found two large knives in my bag. Now, they're my knives. I don't know why they're in the bag, but they're, they're my pocket knives, and they're, you know, like that big until you whip them open, and then they're even bigger. And I'm like, how is it possible that I was able to get through security in St. Louis and in Las Vegas and in Seattle and then again in Los Angeles to get all the way back here with this? And, and, and the more I think about that, the more that I realize that there's times that we are traveling with baggage and we are traveling with things that we don't realize are explosive, that don't, we don't realize they're harmful to us as well as they can be harmful to others. And that's the way I see kind of family baggage as being is that we can just bottle this up, the things that have been said, the things that have been done, we can bottle them up and then pretty soon it just explodes. It just erupts. But we weren't made to live this way, right? We weren't made to live with this baggage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, let us throw off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that God has marked for us. You see, I look at this scripture and I say, okay, here's the first thing. We are not intended to carry weight. We are intended to run. Everybody say run. Run. We are intended to run. And if we're waking up in the morning and we are feeling wore down and we are feeling defeated before we even step out of bed, chances are we've got some weight around us because we are intended to run the race that God has marked out for us. Because God did not intend us to run with weight. God intended us to run free from the past. We can embrace what he has for us in the future. And to be able to embrace, notice this is running, to embrace a crown to embrace an opportunity to win in this life. God has created us to win. And I look at this word in here. It says, don't be entangled with the sin also. And I look at that word and sin. A lot of times we think of sin and we're like, oh, it's, it's just all those things that I've done. Sin means to miss the mark. And here. Scripture is saying that God has set out a path for us. And if we are running with weight and we are running with baggage then we are not living the way that God had intended. And God says, you need to drop that stuff so that way I can bless your life. You see, baggage slows us down. My family and I, a few months ago, we flew to Seattle to see my brother. We took all of our kids. There's a lot of baggage that comes with that. There's, we have all of our bags, right? Then on top of all of our bags, there's car seat and there's booster seat. And then magically, when you get to the airport, the kids lose their legs. Like they forget how to walk. So you start walking with your bags and then they drop. Like perfect timing. Can you carry me? Can you carry me? And, and now you've got all of these bags. I remember thinking, why do we have so many bags? Remember, I had them all over me. And kids. And my 11-year-old. She loses her legs too. I mean, it's just everybody wants to be carried. And by the time Dina was on my back, I'm like, okay, this is enough. This has gotten out of hand. Like I can't, I can't do this anymore baggage baggage is heavy and it it takes even more time when you're at the airport to say okay i need to get there a little bit earlier but baggage is heavy and as we were talking last week about addictions i think about that same thing those addictions those things are heavy but when i look at family baggage i think of it in a different light because this baggage they have faces this baggage has a mouth 
they have something to say back to me. And this baggage, I get to eat Thanksgiving dinner with them, and I'm buying them Christmas gifts. Right? So we find out all of a sudden that we're going to Thanksgiving dinner, and I'm ready. Right? You, how many love Thanksgiving dinner? You're ready for Thanksgiving dinner, and you're, like, excited. You're smiling. It's Thanksgiving. There's going to be stuffing. You've packed your hot sauce because stuffing with hot sauce is amazing. And you're, like, ready to go. And then you find out Aunt Ida's going to be there. You're like, who? Who's going to be there? You mean the, aunt, the one that? Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not ready. Now I'm ready. Got some stuff to pick with. Oh, well, Aunt Ida. Let's go. We're going to go eat. And we go and we get the Thanksgiving dinner. Aunt Ida's there. Here's our table, right? And we're like this. Ooh, Aunt Ida. Look what you did. By the way, I, I don't eat like this. But, and we carry this baggage with us. And all of a sudden, it changed the di- changes the dynamics, not just of the relationship with that. Everybody has a Aunt Ida. It may be a mother, a father. It may be a friend. But we have somebody that we carry this grudge with. And sometimes we just think life would be so much easier if we just had families like they had in the Bible. So let's talk about a couple of them. Let's talk about Adam and Eve and how not dysfunctional that family might have turned out, how much less baggage they must have. I want you to imagine for a moment they have now left the Garden of Eden. They're about to sit down at dinner. And Eve comes out and puts down a bowl of fruit salad. You aren't catching this yet. Can you imagine Adam at that point? Fruit? You put fruit on our table? You remember the last time you gave me fruit? What's in this fruit? What are you putting in this fruit? Who helped you pick this? Did the snake help you pick this? Where where does this fruit come from? Right? Think about it in realistic terms, you know. She's coming. Here's some fruit. We've been down this road before. Do you think maybe a little bit of baggage there? Maybe they're thinking about this. I don't want your fruit. You know, go get me a steak. Um, there's that. We got Joseph, right? We're talking about Joseph a little bit with his brothers. Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's kids. The whole planet is barren except for their little family, and they still couldn't find room, so one of them had to die. Think there's some baggage there? Cain has to kill Abel. They could have gone hundreds and thousands of miles away from each other, but still. Baggage. Do we think there's baggage after this? Yes. So here's the way I see. See, God orchestrated the family, but he also orchestrated the church family. And either way we look at it, there's going to be baggage. And what we need to learn to do is we need to drop the baggage. And we need to let it go. Now, it's easy. As I was preparing this message, it's easy to say things like, drop the baggage. And I could say, okay, let's do offering and leave. But it's really not that easy, is it? It's not that easy because we've been hurt. So let me tell you about the way I pack. And then I can tell you about how we need to unpack this. See, I'm the type of person who packs while we're about to walk out the door. I don't need to pack early. Now, there's some of you, maybe, who, who know you're going on vacation in three weeks and you start packing. Now, who in here packs? Like, you know you're going on vacation in three weeks. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple of you who are like, all right, I'm going on vacation in three weeks. I better start packing. If I do that, I don't have any clothes. I mean, what do you do with your toothbrush? Do you stop brushing your teeth for three weeks? 
Annabelle Benson. Um, <laughs> I mean, what do you do? What do you do? So me, I pack as I'm going out. But when I get home, that bag just sits down. So I will pack quick to leave, but I will unpack very slow. Until all of a sudden, I'm going about my life, and I'm like, where's my favorite pair of pants? When's the last time I wore those? I mean, we just went away last week, and I opened up my bag. I had clothes from second grade. (laughs) I don't unpack fast. But this is the way things are also in our life. You see, we are so quick to take offenses, and we're so quick to throw this stuff in our bags, like, ah, I what she said to me, what he said to me, what they did to my kids, what they did to my this and that. And all of a sudden, we pack our bag really, really fast, don't we? But when it's time to unpack, that's when things can get a little more complicated. So today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about unpacking our baggage. So I had three thoughts for you this morning that we're going to go over. Let me just get a drink of Pastor Kevin's magic water. Nobody tell him I'm drinking out of his cup. We'll just off laugh. Also, we'll all laugh next week. Um, last time, last time I spoke, he's like, "Did you drink out of my cup?" I'm like, "Did you wash it?" I'm like, and and this was like a month later, which is really funny. so. Anyways, so I have three thoughts. Three thoughts for you this morning. Uh, thought one: Remember where you come from. Remember where you come from. When I was younger, my father used to say, you're a pray needle. You need to remember that you're a pray needle. What does that mean? That means you're trustworthy. That means you're a man of integrity. You're a pray needle. He also said pray needles make spaghetti. He also told me my great-grandfather carried around a machine gun and knew Al Capone. That's why we moved away from Michigan. But I was a pray needle, and that meant something. But there was something in my name. Remember where I came from. Let me tell you where I came from. My mother and my father, devout Christians. We were in church. Let me, let me just tell you our weekly schedule when I was a kid. Monday nights, my father was an evangelist. He ran Bible studies in our house. About 40 to 50 people would show up every Monday and never usually the same people. People from off the streets. They'd just get them from coming in from everywhere and feed them food. That was Monday night. Tuesday night, we were at the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Do you guys know what that is? That's on... That's TBN, that's a Christian station. My parents were prayer partners. My, my, grand, uh, my uncle was a cameraman. So Tuesday nights, we're all at TBN. Wednesday nights, church. Thursday nights, worship practice. Friday nights, prayer. Saturday night, we're back at TBN. My parents are prayer partners. Sunday morning, church. Sunday evening, church. That was my life. We were in church all the time. And that was okay because we were almost at 7-Eleven just as much. So as a kid, you're like, we go here, I get a chunky. You know, that's the thing with raisins. Uh, And they're gross, but that's what I got. But this is what I knew of my family as they were Christians. Now, I'm just going to be a little bit transparent with you this morning. Because family baggage, I think, comes to all of us. But at 12 years old, this family that I knew of, where I came from, my mom walks through the door my brother and I are sitting on the couch. My dad's standing nearby. And my mom's crying. I'm like, something's going on here. And my mom says, I'm leaving. I'll see you guys again soon, but I'm leaving. My dad shouts out, 
tell them the truth. Okay, there's more. My mom says, I'm in love with another man. This man happened to be one of my friend's fathers, somebody that went to our church, somebody that I knew. And I, I wasn't sure what to do, but I look at my brother and he's crying, and I look at my dad and he's crying, so naturally I figure that's where I should be too, so I just started crying. And my mom walks out the door. So I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute, I know where I come from. I know where my family comes from. But what is this? What is this? Give it about three hours and my dad walks out the door and he's going to a bar with a friend. I'm like, well, wait a minute. My mom is off to drive three hours away from us to go stay with another man. My dad is in a bar. Where does that leave us? My twin brother and I at 12 years old. Now, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. In the time, my parents did end up divorcing, and my, um, uh, uh, my mom ended up moving about 30 minutes away. She worked nights, so we rarely saw her. My dad ended up moving about four and a half hours away. Now, I want you to catch that. My mom moves, and my dad moves. And now I'm 12 years old with my brother. Where do you think we moved? You see, we didn't move anywhere. We stayed there. Just They would pop in from time to time. My dad would come in, he'd throw us $100, say, I'll be back in a few weeks, order some pizza. And that was that. And then when he came home, he was mean, and he was angry, and he wanted the house clean. It was a five-bedroom, brand-new house, a nice pool in the back. They just had this house built, and I have to clean this whole house. And he was mean, and he was angry, and it got to the point where we didn't want my dad there. Now, I say all this, but I'm going to rewind just a hair to the night that my mom left and the night that my dad went to that bar. Because I want you to know what my life looked like at that point and how I knew I was able to survive that. That night, my brother and I, we sat down and we had this conversation. We said, you know, with mom and dad going through what they're going through, we're kind of expected to rebel. Like, nobody would think it odd if all of a sudden... We start being bad because we, like, we were just good. I mean, I'll just say, we didn't want to be bad. We were good. But we knew that this might be a license to get away with it all. We're like, we can curse. I'm like, oh, there's one mark. That's good. Um, we can watch MTV. You know, that was pretty big back then. We can do anything we want to do and nobody will think anything of it. But then, in that moment, at 12 years old, my brother and I sitting in the dark in our bedroom because we were getting ready to go to bed, we said, or is it possible that this is the time where we're supposed to start living like the Christian that our parents taught us to live and start actually living that out for ourselves instead of depending on our parents? And that night we made that decision to say, you know what, I'm not going to live the way everybody would expect. And even though years before I had asked Jesus to come into my heart, this was the night that I mark as the time where I made the decision, not just to ask him into my heart, but to truly say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want for me. We started riding our bike to church. It was four hours away. We got to the church, and because um, this divorce, my mom was a worship leader. I didn't mention that. was kind of a big thing because she was on staff. Um, The youth group 
didn't want us in there anymore because we were causing a disruption. Probably one of the reasons why I really have such a heart for youth because I've been in the position of rejection. And we're like, this is our youth group. So we ride our bikes again four miles to our church on a Sunday morning. And we get there on a Sunday morning. And it got to the point that the greeter, when they handed us, I still remember his face, he handed me the bulletin and he says, why are you guys still coming here anyway? So we turned around and walked out the door. We got our bikes and we're like, what is this about? So we ride our bikes home and we decide, you know what? We're just going to have to find a different church to go to. I mean, we're trying our best at 12 years old, 12, 13 years old by this time to do what we're supposed to do. But I got to tell you, does that carry baggage? It carries baggage. Because I had two families. I had my family family, and I had my church family. There's something called church hurt, and, and I hear this a little more often. Now, some of you may say, I know what church hurt is. I had the church one time tell me that I can't sing. That's church hurt. That church hurt me. I'm like, no, you can't sing. That's just the truth. <laughs> They're doing you a favor. You have somebody else, you know, who says, I know what church hurt is. I, you know, I was once told that my face make babies cry. And then you went and walked down to the kids' area, and they were happy when you went down one area, came up the other side, everybody's crying. You're like, okay, my face makes babies cry. Anyways, we won't put you in the kids' area, but you're saying church hurt. I have heard so many different types of church hurt, but this one was a church hurt that was very real for me. But here's what my brother and I came down to, and this is what freed us up. You see, I realized that my life was not going to be defined by what my parents had done or what they had said, but that my life was going to be defined by what God has done for me and is continuing to do in my life. And when I made the decision to understand that my identity is hidden in Christ, that God has given me a hope and God has given me a future, then at that point, I didn't have to hold on to the sins and the things of the family and the sins and the things of the church and all the things that people said to me because my identity is not hidden in those things. My identity is hidden in Christ Jesus. And because of that, read the scripture. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new create. The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And Romans eight seventeen says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Is that, see, at that point, I'm like, okay, they might have done what they've done, but I am an heir to God's glory. And my identity is not found in those things. So I say to you today, maybe you're in a position where you're saying, I've been hurt. Justifiably so, I have been hurt. And I want to ask you to do this. Remember where you come from. Because your identity is not hidden in those things, the things that people said and the things that people did. Your identity is hidden in Christ Jesus and the future that he has for you. That's where your identity is hidden. Amen? So, first thought is, remember where you come from. My second thought is this. Forgive and release. Forgive and release. How many of you in here have ever said, I'm sorry? How many of you said, I'm sorry today? <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, hmm. A couple hands just shot up. It's like, I've already said, I'm sorry. If I come over and I step on your shoe. What do you say? I say, I, 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 wait, no, no. You say, you're on my shoe. Let's say this. I come over, I step on your shoe, and I say, I'm sorry. What do you usually say? It's okay, right? I come over, I accidentally run into you. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you say? 
It's okay. All right. <laughs> then the time comes where I say something that's mean. And I come to you, and I'm, I'm like, gosh, you know what? I really said something that wasn't nice. I'm really sorry. More times than not, what do we say? It's okay. Here's the truth. Forgiveness doesn't mean saying it's okay. But a lot of times we say it's okay when all we do is we carry that baggage. The truth is it's not okay. Right? It's not okay. Let's be real. It's not okay that I got hurt. It's not okay that you said the things that you said to me. But you know what? Even though it's not okay, I'm going to choose to forgive you. And the Greek word forgiveness means to drop. Okay? It means to drop. Like, look at it. I'm going to show you. Okay. I just forgave that bag. Right? Bag's forgiven. I just dropped it. That's what forgiveness means. So when somebody hurts me, we need to forgive just as Jesus forgave us. And not just forgive, but release. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says this. It says, stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry, quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you, because you belong to Christ. Just as Christ has forgiven us, I, I want you to know something. If you don't know this, when you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, he doesn't say it's okay. He drops it. And he releases you to live your life in freedom. And God asks us to do the same thing. Remember, we're running a race without weight. Drop the weight, forgive, and release. Let me pick up his bag before I step on it and trip. And... First thought, remember where you come from. The second thought, release and forgive. There's something I notice about some of these bags. I hold on to these bags of mine, and sometimes I have to ask myself, am I holding on to this bag, or is this bag holding on to me? Because sometimes I just can't seem to let it go. At 17 years old, I knew that I was called to ministry. And I was called to be a pastor. And God started to show, show me something in my heart that I needed to release and I needed to forgive some things. I remember I came home one Saturday evening and my mom was sitting on the couch. I said, Mom, can I talk to you? Come over to my room. And... I sat down with her and I said, Mom, I, I'm just curious, you know, why did you do what you did five years ago? Like, why did you walk out? Like, I, I just want to know, you know, I'm kind of an adult type, not really at 17 years old, but, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting older. And she started to cry. And I just said, Mom, I just want to let you know, I forgive you. I forgive you. If you ever wondered if this is something that I'm going to hold against you for the rest of my life, Mom, it's not. I forgive you. And she began to cry, and she thanked me for that. And I can tell you, it's never been something in my family. It's never been something that has come up, and it's never been a burden I've had to bear. I, I dropped it that day. A couple days later, God was showing me something else. I pick up the phone. 
and I call the man that my mom had an affair with. I said, hey, uh, this, is, this is Joe Prenito. And he says, Joey? That's what they used to call me. Don't call me Joey. <laughs> it's, it's Joe, it's PJ. It's, wait, PJ. Yeah, PJ, that's what some people call me. Anyways, Joey, is that you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, hey, um, you know, we, we had some small talk. I said, hey, I just need to let you know that out of all the stuff that you did, I forgive you. I know that, I know you've got to feel awful about it. I said, but I want you to know that from me, it's not okay, but I forgive you. And a year later, he passed away in a weird accident riding a bicycle. And I can tell you, the moment that I found out that he passed away, it was something inside of me that was just like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I was able to not release him, but that when I dropped it and let go, it released me. And on the other side, it did release him. This baggage is not baggage that we're meant to carry. We need to forgive and we need to release. My third thought is we need to unpack the old and we need to embrace the new. We need to unpack the old and embrace the new. Let me tell you about my packing style. I have a backpack. It usually goes with me wherever I go. I jam that thing full. My wife's like, do you want to put anything in our big, huge suitcase over here? And I say, no, I'm going to throw it all in this backpack. And, like, I can barely put it on. But I put everything into that backpack. And then I go traveling. But here's what I've come to find. And, and it's because I don't want to pay for extra baggage. Okay, Pastor Kevin and I are a lot like that. $25 for a bag. I remember when it was free. It's absurd these days. Why am I going to do that? So I will jam it all in there. But here's the problem that I've come to find is that when I jam my bag so full of stuff, when I'm going, when I get to where I'm going, I'm unable to take home anything that's new. I don't get to take home souvenirs. I don't get to take home like new clothes and things like that. I can't fit anything in there. And sometimes I think what happens in our life is we jam our baggage so full of everything that has been done to us. And God's saying, I want to do something new in your life, but you've got to make room. You see, some of us, we're praying over here that... that that God will bless our, our family and our relationships over here, but over here we're, anger, we're angry and we're bitter and, and, and we're resentful. And God's saying, you've got to let that go so I can bless this. And some of us, we, we, we want forgiveness over here, but we're, we're bitter and we're unforgiving over here. And God's saying, you need to unpack some of those bags because I want to do something new. Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See that I am doing a new thing. Forget those things in the past so we can be doing, because God wants to do a new thing in our life. Now, I'm going to go ahead and go back to the very beginning of where we started this message in closing. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. We're going to bring up Joseph again. We brought him up at the beginning. We're going to bring him up again. And I'm going to reread this again. And I want you to listen to this in the context of this is family baggage. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. 
I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. Again, they were lying. There was never any such message that was sent. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? I want to I pause here for just a second because I want you to catch this. Joseph is saying, look it, don't be afraid of me. Am I God? It's kind of, in the way he's saying, he's basically saying, you shouldn't be afraid of me. You really need to be thinking about how God's going to look at you with this because this whole thing has nothing to do with you and me. I'm going to drop this. Am I in the place of God? No, you deal, you'll deal with God in your own time. But for me, I'm going to drop it. Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. You see, Joseph's looking at them and he's saying, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Joseph's looking at them and he's saying, listen, had you not thrown me in a pit, I wouldn't have been sold into slavery. Had I not been sold into slavery, I would not have been put into a place where Potiphar would see me. Had I not then gone to prison, Potiphar wouldn't have had this dream that there was going to be this great famine that was going to be seven years long, and he wouldn't have known that God had given me a gift to interpret dreams so I can tell him ahead of time that there's going to be a famine so he can prepare. Had Potiphar not known that I can interpret dreams, I wouldn't have moved from being in prison into the house of Potiphar. And had I not been there I wouldn't have been put into a place where I had the ability to be able to save many lives. He looked at that and he said, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. Now, now don't misunderstand this. God didn't put Joseph in prison. And God did not put Joseph in slavery. But God did work through those situations. Amen? God did work through those situations for the better of Joseph and for the rest of the nation. And some of us are here and we're saying, I've been through so much. And I feel that God's saying to you today, saying, listen, I may not have wanted you to go through all this stuff. But all things work together for good to those who call on the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And this morning, if you're going through this, some of you might be thinking, okay, I hear what you're saying, baggage, family baggage, and I've got a lot. I want you to remember where you come from. At the moment that we make the decision to give our lives to Jesus, all those things we can push aside because we are a new creation in Christ. With that, we have the freedom to forgive just as Jesus forgave us and release it so we don't have to hold on to those things. And then... We can unpack those things so we can embrace the new that God has for us. Because sometimes we need to remember, I look through scripture and I see that sometimes the pain of the past is the key to the future. And sometimes we need to remember the pain of our past is opening up doors in the future for God to do some other things. I can tell you in my own life, I've only told you half of some of the stuff that I've been through with that. 
But had I not gone through some of that stuff, my brother and I have talked about this, I don't know where I'd be because I saw God's arms surround me and I saw an opportunity to let go. And when I did that, I was able to find freedom. Do hurts still come up from time to time? Yeah. But I say, God, I'm not identified by that. I'm not defined by that. I'm defined by you. Let's bow our heads for a moment. To some of you here this morning, you, you have been carrying weight that you were never meant to carry. You've been carrying weight that you've never been meant to carry. You, you were never meant to carry. This is weight that, that has been crucified with Christ, so you don't have to carry this weight because you want to run this race. But you may be saying, I, I don't know how to get rid of this. It sounds too easy to remember remember that I'm identified with, that, that my identity is in Christ. It sounds too easy to just forgive and, and release it. It sounds too easy to let go and embrace the new. But I can tell you this, it's a decision. It's a decision and it's a process. And it's a process that God is in charge of. And he can bring you through it. But if you're ready to forfeit this and say, God, I don't want this weight anymore. I want to run this race and I want to accomplish the life that you have for me. And you're here and you want to surrender that to him today. I just want you to slip your hand up right now and we're going to pray for you. See your hands. God bless you. God bless you. Because we don't have to carry that pain. We don't have to carry that. Now there's others of you here. You're saying, you know, you're talking about this stuff that's been done to me. But your baggage is not what's been done to you. Your baggage is what you've done to others. You've carried the weight of guilt. You've carried the weight of the things that you've said. Maybe to your kids. Maybe to your parents. Maybe to somebody else. And you're saying, I have done some stuff that I need to release and I need to let go of. And if you're here and you're saying, I, I just need this weight off of me. It's a, just a different kind of weight. I just need to know that I'm released and forgiven. If that's you, just slip your hand up. And we're going to pray for you this morning also. I see your guys' hands too. God, we come before you this morning, Lord. And Lord, as we're going through this baggage series, Lord, it is heavy. It's heavy because it... Not just because it's baggage, but, Father, it stirs up emotions. It stirs up memories, Father. It stirs up things that we've done and things that, things that we've said, but it also stirs up things that have been done to us, things that have been said to us. And, Father, this morning, Lord, we release this to you, God. Father, I just pray for those that raised their hand, Father. I just pray that you'd bring a healing to them, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would show them, Lord, that they are not defined by the things that they've said or the things that have been done to them. But, Father, they are defined by who you called them to be, Father. And I pray, Father, for all of us, Lord, that you would release the, weight, the weights that are on our on us, Father God, so we can be able to run this race that you've set forth for us, Father, so we can run this race in victory, so we can run this race and know, Lord, that you are standing there along with the cloud of witnesses cheering us on as we run this race, Father. So this morning, we just give these weights to you, Father, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember, Lord, where we come from. We are children of God. We are bought with your blood, and we do not have to walk in slavery anymore because slavery Lord we've been set free 
from the sun sets free is free indeed. So today, we walk away free, God. We thank you, Lord, for this message, Father, and we pray that you would just seal this in us and help us to walk in this freedom, Lord, and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. You have been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa, with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. We thank you for tuning in and would like to encourage you to worship with us if you're in our area. Our Sunday morning service is at 10 a.m., and we have other activities throughout the week for the entire family. For more information, go to crossviewfellowship.com. Thanks again for listening to a ministry of Crossview Church. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.